Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Luke. The Gospel Record of Luke in chapter number 9. The Gospel Record of Luke in chapter number 9. We're still progressing with our Gospel Record of Luke and looking at the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we made mention of just a little bit before we went on, uh, had our service, that in the Gospel record of Luke, we've already covered the early part of Jesus' life from uh, his birth to his earthly ministry. We've covered the early part, the first tour of the Galilean ministry. We just finished the second tour of the Galilean ministry. And now we come to Luke chapter number 9, which is going to be starting the last year of his public ministry. And it's going to fast forward some things as we see Jesus Christ now working with his disciples and tasking them with a specific task. In the Gospel record of Luke chapter number 9, notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 1. The Gospel record of Luke chapter 9 in verse 1. Then he called his twelve disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all de devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor script, neither bread nor money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house ye enter into, there abide, and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him. And he was perplexed because it was said of some that John was risen from the dead. And of some that Elias had appeared. And of others that one of the old prophets was risen again. And Herod said, John, have I beheaded? But who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. And the apostles, when they returned, told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city of Bethesda. And if you're in the habit of, <coughs> excuse me, marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 9? The gospel record of Luke chapter number 9, <coughs> excuse me, and the gospel record of Luke chapter number 9, and if you don't mind, let's notice the phrase in verse number 2, and he sent them to preach, and he sent them to preach. And with the Lord's help, we want to preach this message here. He sent them to preach. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today and we open up your scriptures and we learn about what you've been 
doing with the disciples, that we can apply some of these things to our life and be able to see the lessons that you had taught the disciples and what they were expected to teach other people, that you would help our church to continue to grow, to move forward, to understand that our responsibilities and that we have a responsibility to teach the same information given to us. I'm asking that you would settle me down inside of your will and to be dependent and trusting on you. That even now that you would take my mind, my thoughts, and that they'd be resting upon you. You would take my lips and my mouth and my words and that they would be the ones that you want to come out. That I give you the ambition and goals and the things that I'd like to see done and I give them to you. That you can get what you want to be accomplished. Set this in order and let it be all about you. Let it be done by you. Let it be empowered by you. Lord, we could trust you with these things. Fill me with your spirit. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. He sent them to preach. If you don't mind, as we examine this, we want to see a couple things that we see inside of this passage in these 10 verses that actually covers a long period of time. The first thing I want to bring to your attention is they went because it was their next step in spiritual growth. They went because... It was their next step in spiritual growth. A teacher is not successful just when a student learns the information. A teacher is successful when the student goes out and teaches the same thing. This is what we're seeing here with the Lord Jesus Christ. That the Lord Jesus Christ has spent two years taking the disciples. We know that there are the 12, but in here we're going to see that there's actually 70 of them that he is sending out. And he's training them. He's spent time with them. He's equipped them. He's given them what they need. He's taught them how to deal with people. He's taught them how to deal with opposition. He's taught them how to preach the gospel. To preach about the kingdom of God. To send the message of repent. They've learned from him for these last two years. And now before he still has another year on this earth. That as a teacher he wants to give the students the practical experience of teaching it themselves. There is something different. When you hear the information, it sounds good. But when you try to communicate it to something else, to someone else, then it becomes something completely different. You may know the information in your head, but to be able to get it out, to be able to and teach someone the things that you know is a next step of growth in a lot of people's life. As Jesus Christ is sending out these chosen ones to represent him on this third Galilean journey, it's estimated that it took a better part of the year that they're out teaching. And so this wasn't just a couple weeks, it wasn't just an afternoon, but for a year, approximately a year, the disciples are going out to town to town to village to village. And they're going out with a specific instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're trying to hit all of the towns. Now remember that Jesus Christ, while he was on that on the earth, he has confined himself to a physical body. Meaning inside of his physical body, he can't be there everywhere at once. So how can he reach all of these towns effectively? How can he effectively go out? Well, he had to teach someone and then train those people to go out to reach everyone else. It's the miracle of multiplication. And them physically were able to go out. And it was just as if Jesus was there himself because it was the same exact message. It was the same exact 
scriptures. The same exact emphasis because they had learned from their master and now they were going out doing and teaching the same things that he had been teaching. If you don't mind, as we examine this and as they're being sent out, we want to see a couple things about this, their next spiritual growth. Now, before we go, let me just take this. There are many people inside of a church who they've absorbed information and they learned information and they've learned from different preachers, they've learned from different pastors, and they've had evangelists, they've had missionaries come. But what do you do with that information? Inside of the, the um, area of the Bible, we have what is called the Jordan River. And the Jordan River will actually run and empty itself into a body of water called the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because there is no outlet. So what happens is that all the minerals, all the things, all the substance from the Jordan River runs into the Dead Sea. But because it has no outlet, the water will evaporate and it will leave all the minerals behind. The Dead Sea is such a... a body of water that has so many salt, so many minerals that it's almost impossible to drown in it because you will naturally float. Just don't have any open wounds when you get into there. It may be a little bit painful. But it's called the Dead Sea because things are being inputted into it, but it never sends it out. The same thing is true of any believer. That you can get all the information about the Bible and just grab it and grab it and grab it. But unless you do something with it, you will die spiritually. If nothing else, you will stagnate. That the natural progression in most Christians' life is that once they've been saved for a while and they've been discipled, they develop the habit of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Their next natural step is to teach someone else that information. And once they start teaching that information, they will grow at a rate that will be surprising to them. They never thought they could grow. So many Christians stagnate and say, well, I've grown as much as I can. But once you start teaching someone else and start teaching the material, you will grow fantastically. It is the next natural step for most Christians who've been saved for a while is they need to be teaching the information to someone else. Because Jesus is teaching his disciples these things, he has the expectation that they are supposed to go out and teach. And now, while he's still on the earth, he sends them out to monitor them, to help them, to check on their progress, to make sure, and they're going to come back and report to him to make sure, and that way he could give them some more teaching. All right, now that we've taught, now we have questions. Charles Spurgeon, who ran a Bible college, would not allow pastors to enter his Bible college for training until they had pastored for a year. He said, until they pastored a year, they don't even know what questions to ask. Well, as the disciples got the practical experience of actually working with people, they came back and said, now we have some questions. And Jesus was able to instruct them now that they had to know what to ask in the first place. They knew what to learn. They knew what they were looking for when they were able to come back to Jesus Christ. Or at least that was the hope and the desire of it. Well, as we see that they're getting ready to be taught out, notice there were several things that Jesus instructed them about as they were going to go to teach. Now, As we address these, may I also put an emphasis that this was not the sending out 
for the church in the book of Acts. This is the disciples going out to Jewish people for this specific time for this specific place. So there are going to be some things that the disciples were told and given instructions to that are not applicable to us because it was for that time, for that people, for that place. Does that make sense? And we're going to run into some of that. And the reason why we say that is so that way somebody doesn't say, oh, this is for me, and you go attempt it and then find that it doesn't work the way that you expect it. Let's examine. First of all, we have the matter of their might. The matter of their might. Still talking about them going out because it was their next step in spiritual growth. The matter of their might. Notice if you don't mind. It said and in verse number 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over the devils and to cure diseases. Now remember that who he's dealing with is that most of them are Galilean. And not only they're Galilean, they're Galilean peasants. Meaning that they were poor folk who were just trying to make a living. And he called fishermen, hey, follow me. Tax collector, come follow me. And so these aren't the people who went to the Jewish cemeteries. I mean, seminaries. They didn't go to the Jewish learnings. They didn't uh, go to the Bible colleges. They didn't go to the Hebrew schools. They just grew up and was working. And so they didn't have all of the education So what they did need was the enabling of God to allow them to march into a city and that with that to command respect and a response of the people. To go in there with some confidence that they were sent by God. So with this, the Lord endued them with power and authority over devils and demons. So it was supposed to be like this. Instead of some guy coming in and saying, hey guys... Hey, I want you to hear something about that I learned. Okay, God, well, why are you walking away? I'm being facetious, but you understand. There are some people that when they try to teach, they command no authority whatsoever. And because the disciples weren't educated, they go, well, I don't know how to speak. And I don't know uh, how to say things. And I don't know the proper terms and whatnot. Jesus said, what I am going to do is I'm going to give you power. And I'm so thankful that God has given us the power of his Holy Spirit. That you may not have all the answers, but you know who does. And that God can give us great power. And with that power, that even though you may not trust in your education or your training, you could trust that God will get his own work accomplished. And that God has power. For them at this time, they had powers over devils. And they had power over diseases. And so they were able to go into a town and say that Jesus Christ has commanded all men everywhere to repent. Oh yeah? How do you, why do you say that you have power? All right. Well, you see this person come in with devil, get you out of here and obey because of Jesus name. And they go, okay, there's something to it because of their actions. Now, again, this was again, allowing them to have confidence to go in. We today as Christians, we can have confidence because of the power of the Holy Spirit, not because your might, not because of your skill, not because of your education, but because it's God and we are giving God's message and we're sent by his authority. We have the matter of might. Notice something else as we go on here. Well, Jesus Christ 
is sending the disciples out this last year. And even though it's practice for them, it is also going to be vital and important for the people to listen because Jesus Christ is working specifically with the Hebrew people. And he is making one last honest effort to allow the Hebrew people to accept him as their Messiah. It was an honest effort, and that's a different study for a different time, but Jesus Christ honestly gave himself to the Hebrew people to accept him as the Messiah, to accept him now, and it would have changed everything differently, but they had rejected him as their king and as their Messiah. Jesus Christ is sending out these disciples with the purpose to give the Jewish people one last chance to accept. And soon that window is going to close and instead of working with the Hebrew people, God is going to turn and start working with the Gentiles. But this was his last attempt of trying to reach as many people as possible with the message of the gospel and the message of God's promises to the Hebrew people. Not only do we have the matter of their might, but we also have the matter of their message. The matter of their message. What were they supposed to teach? Notice verse 2. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. What was the main purpose? To preach the kingdom of God. That God has a work to do. Ye must be born again. This is what he talked about to Nicodemus. He talked about if you want to see the kingdom of God, verily, verily, ye must be born again. That it is a spiritual kingdom, not a physical kingdom. They had an idea that Jesus Christ was going, the Messiah was going to come and put a militaristic kingdom that was going to overthrow Rome and make Jewish culture the center of the world. But that's not what Jesus Christ was coming to do. Jesus Christ was coming to build a spiritual kingdom using the people here on earth. And that they were supposed to reach people, get them saved. And God was going to be doing a work here on this earth to preach the kingdom of God. Verily, verily, you must be born again. Jesus has commanded all men, every man, where to repent. The message was to repent, to realize that they were a sinner and because of their sin that they've offended a holy, righteous God. But that the Messiah that God had promised to them was the answer and they were just to trust and believe in that promise. That was the message to go out and tell them to repent. We see not only the matter of their might, but the matter of their message. We see the matter of the money. The matter of the money. Notice with me in verse number 3. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves, nor scrip, neither bread, nor money, neither have two coats apiece. Now this idea of the matter of the, the um, money was this idea that, again, this is for this people for this period of time. Now that's important to note that this isn't for us today, but it was for those disciples for this period of time. God changed the rules after Israel rejected the Lord and the Christians became ambassadors. But for this occasion, they were not supposed to take um, money. They were not supposed to take staves or script. This idea of script means a bag for collecting money. So their job was not to go be beggars. Their job wasn't saying, listen, I need to support myself while I go out. No, they were supposed to go out and have the expectation that God was going to take care of them as they went out. God was going to supernaturally put people in their place to take care of them. They were not supposed to be beggars. That Christ was going to take care of their needs and this was that expectation. In fact, notice what it said 
in verse number four. And whatsoever house you enter into, there abide and thence depart. That even here, that they were supposed to go in and if a house accepted them and said, oh yes, I want to be a blessing to the Lord, they were supposed to come in. And even if it was broken down and even if they just had mashed potatoes and no gravy and even if they had chicken and no dumplings and they didn't have, they were supposed to stay. They weren't supposed to go to house to house and find the best house to stay in. But they were supposed to allow God to take care of them in whatever conditions, but allow God to do it. Not just look for something better just because I want something better. This, there was the expectation that the disciples were going to watch Christ fulfill for them as they went on. Now imagine, we now the time frame, for a year they were to do this. They weren't supposed to beg for money. They weren't supposed to be what we commonly call moochinaries where they just uh, travel from time to time just to let people feed them and let people take care of them and they don't do anything for the Lord. They weren't supposed to be begging at all. They were supposed to preach the message of God and expect God to fulfill and take care of them. That was that expectation, the matter of the money. We also see a matter of their method. A matter of their method. Notice with me in verse number 5. And whosoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony for them. Now they were supposed to go where the people wanted them. If they were rejected from a town, they were supposed to just wipe the dust off their feet, which was a gesture, uh, a menacing gesture to say, all right, fine, we've tried our best and we went. Things changed after Pentecost where you're supposed to go whether they want you or not. Here, they were supposed to go and if people wanted them, they were supposed to stay and work with them and try to help to them. If they didn't want them, okay, fine, no problem, then I'll go off. We know that today, many times missionaries to go to place and they have the expectation in their dream that they're going to go there, get off the plane and the whole crowd's going to meet them at the plane. Oh, missionary, we've been waiting for you. It's and they'll get to those places and realize they didn't want them there in the first place. That happens. Pastors will go into an area and say, oh, great, I'm going to show up to a place and the people are going to be so glad to have me. And they're not. At Pentecost, things changed. But for here, they were supposed to go. And if the people wanted them and they wanted to hear the message, they were supposed to give them the message. And the people said, no, no. Okay, fine. We're going to go to someone else that wants to. That's the idea that's been supposed here. That's their method. That was for that time. Things changed. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to say that when you feel rejected, you're not supposed to leave. That's, that's changed now. Smile. It's all right. And then there was the matter of their move. The matter of their move. Where were they supposed to go? Verse 6, And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Where they were supposed to go? Everywhere. Everywhere. He didn't just say, we'll just stay at Jerusalem and the outlining towns. Go everywhere. Everywhere they need to hear the message. Wherever you could go. If you go to a small little village that has 30 people, go everywhere. You go to the bigger village that has 70 different languages in it, go everywhere. You go hit them all. Every single one of them needs it. Big towns, small towns, if I can make a little thing here. One of the things that is... Um, that has happened in the last several years is they've made it so if you are not a pastor of a big church, then you're nothing. But let me tell you, there are a lot of small towns in Nebraska, the Dakotas, 
that they don't even have a, a lot of people within the county. They never see a large church, but they need the gospel. They need to hear about it. Think of a small town, our neighbor uh, to the west, Black Creek. They don't have a Bible teaching church there. It's a small town, nobody, but somebody needs to go there. That's something we need to have churches everywhere, everywhere. We're not supposed to have some big mega church where all the people drive for hundreds of miles to get here. We need to try to get churches everywhere that teaches the same, believes the same, that's been taught the same to go out everywhere, everywhere. And we need to have a revolution back to this concept here of teaching that it's all right to be a pastor of a small church. If that's what God sent you to do, then praise the Lord for it. And that people need to have those things. They need to go everywhere. So not only do we have these disciples and they're going out because it is their next step and their spiritual growth that they had learned from two years with Jesus and now he's sending them out so they can learn to do it themselves and learn and develop more questions. Notice there's something else here that they went out and it convicted others. They went out and it convicted others. Notice with me in verse number seven. Now Herod the Tetrarch Heard all that had been done by, by him. Now we'd run into this Herod before. This is the Herod who beheaded John. And so now Herod here is hearing about all these preachers coming out. And they're all talking about Jesus. And everybody's talking about it. And he's hearing all these things. What is he hearing? Verse 7. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him. That's Jesus. And he was perplexed. That's a word that means confused, befuddled. He's scratching his head. What's going on out there? I thought I got rid of John. What, what's going on now? Why? Because it was said of some that John was risen from the dead. Nothing like putting fear in you when the guy that you killed has come back and he's preaching. He, why is he afraid? Because he's convicted. He's, he put someone to death that he knew was righteous. He put someone to death he knew was telling the truth. He knew some put someone to death just because they had the audacity put his finger in his face and said, it is not right for you to have your brother's wife. He's convicted. And the more that he hears about the same message, repent, repent, repent. He is miserable in the inside. He thought he quieted that message. But now it's everywhere and everyone's talking about it. Hey, did you hear about those disciples? They came into the city the other day and they healed people and they're preaching a message and they're staying at so-and-so's place and there's a lot of people going to hear them all the time. He's hearing about all of this and he's confused and he's wondering what's going on and he's convicted. Notice as it goes on. Verse 8, And of some... That Elias had appeared. Now remember Elias was considered to be the forerunner of Christ. But Elias of the Old Testament was one who did miracles. Remember this is Elijah who had rained down fire at Mount Carmel. And killed 400 prophets of Baal under his command. This is the Elijah who, <coughs> who had who'd seen so much and seen so many miracles. And then you had Elisha, his protege, who had... Uh, where Elijah had did seven major miracles, his protege, who asked for twice the spirit, did 14 major miracles. And now as the disciples are doing miracles all over, they're saying, man, it's the spirit of Elijah. Oh, 
miracles are happening all over the place. Notice more, they said. And of others, that one of the old prophets was risen again. By the way, those old prophets, whether it's one of the minor prophets or Isaiah, Jeremiah, they're all preaching, repent, repent. And they're going, man, these guys are preaching. And when I'm preaching, I can imagine Jeremiah standing at the hilltop. Oh, when I hear him preaching, I could think of Elijah. Elijah. I could think of Ezekiel. Oh, when he's preaching, I'm thinking of Amos. And they're saying, man, it's like the preaching of the Old Testament. It's where those, those prophets said, I don't care if it kills me or not. You're wrong. Get right with God. And they're having boldness. Nobody's preaching like that anymore. But now everyone's preaching like that. And it's like the Old Testament prophets have all come back. And John and the king's hearing this. And it's making them more and more miserable. And verse number 9. And Herod said, John... Have I beheaded? But who is this of whom I hear such things? Now, he wouldn't admit that it was Christ, but he knew someone had come. He was a man of contradictions, by the way. He wanted to see this man of many miracles, but he would not go out to see him. He's confused. He's befuddled. He knows he has the answers, but he won't go to him and see the answers. Have you ever met someone that convicted? That they know that I need something out there, but I just won't go to church. Because I know I'm going to hear the answers in church. I don't want to go. But I need to hear them. And they're confused and they're miserable. That's where, where uh, the king is at now. Herod is at. He's at the place. I know there's something about it, but I'm not going to go see him. I want to hear him preach, but I'm not going to go, find, hear, go out to him myself. If he just happens to run across me, then, you know, that would be great. Uh, maybe Jesus can arrange that. We know later on uh, that that's going to be delivered into his hands by the Pharisees. But man, he is miserable and he's convicted. And the more voices that he hears out there, the more convicted he is. The people are talking about it all the time. He can't get away from it. He just can't silence it. It's becoming more and more and more. And by the way, as we go out, as there are more voices preaching, as there are more people delivering the message, more soul winners going out, there's going to be more and more people convicted. And that's a good thing. God is trying to do a work. He's trying to draw them to them. And more and more, the more opportunities, the more John and Romans, the more tracks we get out there, Amen. the more people are going to be convicted. Yeah. And some of them will turn. But God is trying to work with each one of them. Think about this. Every time, every time a track is left on someone's door, they have to decide what they're going to do with it. Am I going to accept it? Or am I going to reject it? That's God working with them. They have to make a decision. A conscious decision. There's no passive thing. I know they could open their door and just let it fly away. And just like, I'm not going to touch it. But even that was a decision. They have to do something with it. They get John and Romans. That's not going to blow away. It's on their door. They have to take it off. And do something with it. And some of them will take it and read it. Others will be highly convicted. Other people don't. But they have to do something with it. The more we go out, the more that they're working. And by the way, it may be the second time, the third time we go out to them that they finally break and say, whatever this is, I need to have it. God's trying to get my attention. And I know it. Amen. I've met lots of people like that before. Amen. This is the fifth track. I passed out a track about a year ago to someone. And it wasn't at their door. It was just passing them out. And they looked at me. 
and said, this is the third one I've gotten this week. And it wasn't for me. It's the first time I met him. This is the third. You think God was trying to get that person's attention? You bet they were. God's doing something. And the more of us that's going out, the more that's spreading out, the more conviction, the more that people's drawing them, trying to get them. God is doing something. The more God's word's going out, that's what God is trying to do. One more thing here. They rejoiced in the work that was done. They worked. They rejoiced in the work that was done. Notice with me in verse 10. So after this almost year period, verse 10. So Luke uh, 9 through 10. Actually between uh, verses 1 through 10. About a year passes. So that's a lot of time. Verse 10. And the apostles when they were returned told him all that they had done. So they come back and say, Jesus, let me tell you about this. And I went to this city and this town. And they, they, they were just trying to tell him everything that was going on. And then he, uh, they were rejoicing about it. They were just talking about it. Lord, I want to tell you what happened here. They were rejoicing. A different passage gives this idea that they rejoiced in the work that they had done. So they came back full of good news. They come back with wonderful stories. They come back to see what God had done. You know, the more that we go out, the more we're going to come back with victory stories. Amen. The more we're going to come back and say, let me tell you about this. Oh, let me tell And I love it, by the way, when you guys call me and text me. I just met someone and in the middle of the hallway in front of everyone, they bowed their head and accepted Christ as Savior. That's wonderful. That's great. Hey, I just passed a track to some person and they were so excited to get it. Wonderful. Those are good stories. That's what we're looking for to see what God's going to do and come back. And when you're excited about it, more people will get excited about it. By the way, we should be excited about people getting saved. We should be excited. This should be a wonderful thing. There should be rejoicing. People are coming to church because we invited them. People are coming to church. I mean, some of you are in this church because you were led to the Lord coming to the church. Some of you came because you had a track. You were invited. I know we're teaching the Wednesday night crowd. There was that Sunday that we had for Resurrection Sunday when we just had three spots left open in the church. All those people came because someone had invited them. Wasn't that wonderful? Those are great victory stories. We have revival service coming Sunday. We're expecting more of the same. We have people who are watching online because of our influence. We got people who write letters. I had someone who mailed me back this week a gospel record of Luke fill in the blank. That they had just showed up once, received it. They had done the work, turned it back in and said, look, I did it. Wonderful. Man, we love telling stories about... uh, God working. One of the things I'm always afraid of is that all of our stories are way back in the day. I want fresh stories. I want to see what God is doing currently, present tense. And as we go out, as we're all doing it, I don't want you to just borrow my stories. I want you to have your own stories of people that come to the Lord, people that have been reached as we go on. This is exciting because we all have a part to play. And as we're taught these things, we're expected to go out and teach those things. Tell them about the gospel. Tell them about the things you've learned. Tell them about what God is doing in your life. And they went out and taught. He sent them forth to preach. And they went out. And they went everywhere. And people were convicted. And they came back rejoicing. Telling them all the stories. Telling everything that was done. That was a successful year. That was a wonderful year. 
And as we apply some of those principles within our life, we know the specifics were for that time, for that place. But the idea of it is something that we can employ today. All of us have the expectation to go out. And as we all go out, God multiplies his work. We're going to expect lots of things to get accomplished and lots of things to be done. And by the way, as that is happening, we're all going to be growing as we're teaching ourselves. We're going to be growing more than ever before. And this church is going to mature. The people in the church are mature. And God could use us for even more things. We've got a great future ahead of us. The greatest days of this church are still ahead. Aren't you excited to be a part? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.